Welcome back to Talking EHS, a podcast series from EHS Today, the magazine for environment, health, and safety leaders. I'm Dave Blanchard, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Today, and joining me again on the podcast is Nicole Stempak, EHS Today's Managing Editor. You can follow us every day at ehstoday.com for our regular coverage of the latest news, trends, and developments in occupational health and safety. Today in our podcast, Nicole and I will be talking about the America's Safest Companies competition, what it is, how to enter the competition, and what you can do to become one of America's safest companies. So with that, let's get started. So back in 2002, EHS Today, which at the time was known as Occupational Hazards, launched an annual competition called America's Safest Companies. The goal of this competition is to identify safety excellence in action and throughout an entire organization. This podcast will help you determine if you think your company has what it takes to become part of the 2023 class of America's Safest Companies. So what is an America's Safest Company? Well, to be considered one of those types of companies, an organization must be headquartered in the United States, and it must demonstrate a number of things. For instance, support from leadership and management for their environment, health, and safety efforts, employee involvement in the EHS process, innovative solutions to safety challenges, injury and illness rates that are lower than the average for their industry, comprehensive training programs, Evidence that prevention of incidents is the cornerstone of the safety process. Good communication about the value of safety and a way to substantiate the benefits of the safety process. So since 2002, roughly 250 companies have earned the designation as one of America's safest companies. And it represents numerous sectors within manufacturing, construction, utilities, mining, services, hospitality, and a bunch of other company types focused on protecting their workforce. Many well-known companies have won the America's Safest Companies Award in the past. Uh, companies such as Caterpillar, Dow Corning, Goodyear, Granger, Honda, Honeywell, IBM, Johnson & Johnson, Lockheed, Milliken, Raytheon, Rockwell Automation, and many others. But just as many small to mid-sized companies have also earned that distinction. The one common denominator to every winning company is that they all have a culture that elevates safety to a world-class level. The winners of the America's Safest Companies Award are honored in person every year at the annual Safety Leadership Conference hosted by EHS Today. This year's conference will be held September 18th through 20th in Orlando, Florida. So what's this podcast going to be all about? To have the best opportunity of being named one of America's safest companies, we came up with a lot of recommendations and some uh, no-nonsense tips. A lot of people have asked us questions over the years on about the competition itself. So we thought it would be helpful if we went over just some good basic how to fill out the competition form uh, guidelines. To do that, I've asked our managing editor, Nicole Stempak, to join me, and we will just figure out together what are some of the hallmarks of a winning ASC competition form. So, Nicole, let's get started. Uh, what would you say would be some some good, helpful tips for companies that are 
might have heard about the America's Safest Companies, uh, but aren't really quite sure what it's all about. When we look at the application, we should be able to get a sense of the safety program and the safety culture based on answers to the questions. With more experience, and I know as an applicant, you don't really have the benefit, but we get to a point where when we look at an application, we can see who's a winner just based on what they've provided. Um, there's clear evidence. Uh, now, I'm not saying that applicants need to write, you know, the Iliad or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but they do need to give us more than a sentence or maybe two. Like, So we judge these based um, heavily on the answers to the questions as well as um, you know, the, the open, open text answers. Um, and we also look at the, um, fill in the blank kind of answers, like reporting of injuries and whatnot, the data, you know, it, it's the difference just between telling us versus describing and showing. Um, so give us clear evidence of what you're doing for a safety culture. Um, but also tell it in a way that makes it personal, you know, don't use like, the third person, or don't be afraid to, to say I, or to say we, because a strong safety culture really has that collective we, it really uh, would give us evidence that, you know, a safety manager, you know, someone who's submitting this form has really taken ownership. Um, But, you know, ownership of certain programs, which of course get buy-in, there's no I in safety, but um, but a very strong example of what you're doing and how it's helping. So that's some good advice. For instance, one of the ways that a company can determine what exactly we might be looking for is we have a whole wealth of you know, 20 years worth of articles that we've written about past winners. So you can go to the ehstoday.com website in the America's Safest Companies area and just find a whole wealth of winning uh, companies and their stories. So you read through a few of those and get you'll get a good sense for what these companies have done and why they're considered not just a good company, but one of America's safest companies. So what kind of information are we actually looking for in, in the form? Help uh, help folks out there, Nicole, to, f- to figure out what are we gonna be asking them on the form itself to, to give us? So we definitely want the want the data. We wanna see that the numbers are low, that they're better than industry average, that they've you know been trending downward. Those give us evidence and you know the the existence of safety training programs on a variety of topics. Those give us like a solid background to make sure that you know policies, programs, you know, things are in place. But it's that last page or page and a half, I think, um, of of questions, the free format free answer questions, uh, rather, that, that really sell um, sell it for us. Like, we need to make sure that there are, there's good documentation in place, but it's the answers to those open-ended questions that really show what the culture is like or show what the program is like. And I, you know, 
we resonate with stories. We, we care about stories, uh, not just as editors, as journalists or anything like that, but as, as people. Um, I was at a conference and one, one of the keynotes talked about how research has shown that st- telling stories activates more portions of your brain than just a straight PowerPoint presentation. And a lot of what we discuss in safety is making sure that as many people as possible understand the message. So evidence that you're doing that is really critical. Um, and a slight story, if I may, is that I was at, you know, I was at this conference recently and for one of the breakout sessions, the speaker asked attendees to share something special about their safety program. And most people talked about behavior-based safety uh, observations, uh, programs, and near misses. And I mean, I'm glad to hear that so many have those because they are important, but they aren't necessarily special or unique. So if you're applying to be one of America's safest companies, you've really got to go above and beyond what is the standard, what is the norm, what are good practices. We're looking for best practices. Um, so you either have to be doing something different or applying a program in a different way. So the last person who who raised his hand and spoke about their you know near-miss program said something that really caught my attention. He said that in his company, they have to report their near misses each month for each plant to headquarters, uh, which was overseas. And, you know, some department, some individuals at headquarters will aggregate that data. And beyond just reporting, you know, the numbers of near misses, they go a step further. They talk about how long it took to implement changes to correct that behavior or to like, you know, the idea being that you are not just capturing the near misses, you are actively making changes to prevent them from happening again. Right. So like my interest is peaked, but then he went a step further and said that they create a leaderboard and they rank it on that proportion of how many near misses were captured versus corrections made. And if your numbers are, if you're at the top of the list for too long, it speaks to the culture, um, but the CEO of the company will review that documentation every month. And if they see anything like the top people on the list, or if someone's been on the list for too long, the CEO in Japan will contact any of the branches and say like, what's going on? What are we going to do? So it created a culture where the CEO was holding the plant managers accountable. And so the plant managers were holding all the frontline supervisors and frontline employees accountable because no one wants to get a call um, from the CEO or president saying, what are you doing wrong? Like not saying, what are you doing wrong? But just like, you're, something is not right here. And I want to communicate to you the importance of making improvements. So it, so in, like, that's a good story because it, it shows accountability. It shows how things are changing. So if your company is doing something like that, that's always nice to see. The whole point is to share best practices and um, inspire other companies. And, you know, to a certain extent, lift up safety at large because it's a way to it's a way to share knowledge and to offer suggestions for improvement at your own plant. Great, great tips. Uh, one thing to 
also let people know when they're going to sit down and, and start filling out the form. You're going to want to have your OSHA Form 300A right next to your desk or nearby because um, we ask for the, the past three years of data. So we're it, there is a benchmarking aspect to it. We're now, we're not benchmarking companies against every other company in the competition. We're actually benchmarking them against the industry that they're involved with. Things like a uh, number of uh, well, like lost workday case rates, total recordable incident rates, total employee hours worked last year. Uh, we ask if, you know, has your company been cited by OSHA for any violations in the past three years? Uh, if, if there have been a lot of them, uh, I, I would suggest maybe wait a little while before you enter the competition because that's going to st- just kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And that's often, um, unfortunately, we've heard this time and again, that a serious injury or fatality is what gets people in the in the C-suite and on the front line to really wake up and to acknowledge that changes need to be made. You know, and, and it's a constant journey but we we want to see evidence of excellence and lots of improvement. So yeah, if it's always <laughs> it's tough to be in the middle of things and be doing the work and not seeing um, not seeing the results that you desire. But if it doesn't seem like you're a good fit to enter this year, I still keep taking notes and you know get a notebook and say like here are the things that we're doing because. Um, Safety is a journey, and we've talked to companies that have seen great improvements, um, but it usually has to be a couple of years, and that improvement has to be sustained. So we're looking for evidence that there has been example of organizational change and that it's really stuck. But that's also really compelling. Yeah, I guess for me, sameness is a big one because uh, a lot of companies do a lot of the same things. So... Um, if you're looking to find ways to differentiate yourself, know that we are judging on the merit of the company and on the industry, as you mentioned, you know, we, at least for me, I don't really pay attention to the name of the company. When I'm looking at a submission, I'm looking at how well it has performed in the past few years and evidence of what they've done, because I will, I will argue for a company um, with 30 employees that's doing a great job. Uh, about why they should be awarded the honor. I'll also do that for a company that has 5,000 because we want to recognize excellence in action regardless of um, of the size, regardless of the industry, as long as we have proof that it's change, it's excellence, it's sustained, um, and that they're not resting on their laurels. I think it's really easy once you get um, to a certain point to rest on your laurels. So we want to make sure that there's continuous improvement too. Uh, good point. Continuous improvement is definitely uh, a hallmark of America's safest companies. Uh, the the converse of that would be if your metrics are getting worse year after year rather than better, that would be an indication that something is amiss and uh, perhaps uh, these guys, you, perhaps you might not... <laughs> 
be America's safest company, and you should be focusing on getting those those numbers improved. Uh, another thing that we we look for in the competition, and this is this is true for probably for any competition of any site any sort, is uh, don't leave any of the answers blank. If we, if we ask you uh, questions uh, and your answers, you know. Uh, very terse, a sentence or less, or really doesn't answer the question to begin with, uh, that could be uh, another indication to us that either you didn't take the time to fill out the, the form very well, or you just haven't thought through exactly what has made your company one of America's safest. Uh, I, I think that kind of goes without saying, but we say it anyways, because that, that does seem to elude, uh, I would say a lot of companies, but some companies, they sell themselves short. They don't really take the time to explain to us what makes them one of America's safest companies. In fact, that that's the that might be the key question in the whole process is we ask them, why does your company deserve to be named one of America's safest companies? Uh, and that's that's kind of where you sell it. Uh, anything else that we should point out to people about the competition, Nicole? It, but it always um, helps when we're reviewing to see evidence of buy-in from management, from frontline workers, anecdotes or just examples of ways that you can describe um, or clear, you know, just clear examples of how the culture has changed for the better. Um, if something used to be done this way, but now it's done that way. And if the new way is become the norm, um, you know, there was one company that added training, uh, safety training and made it part of the job title, uh, for people who are not safety professionals, but who, got extra training in safety protocols for their different departments, um, for their, you know, a high risk job. And, um, you know, that's nice to see because we talk about this all the time and we hear safety professionals talk about it all the time is that safety is not confined to the EHS department. You know, we need, I say we, the collective, even though I'm not a practitioner is that safety, um, needs more people to stand up and to execute safe work practices, um, to be evangel, even, uh, evangelists, evangelists. Yeah. <laughs> um, so any, any evidence that we have of improvement, uh, makes it easier for us to, to see excellence in action. Uh, exactly right. And just to put the exclamation point to what it means to be an America's safest company, at least from EHS Today's perspective, uh, all winning companies are celebrated and honored at our annual uh, annual conference, the Safety Leadership Conference, and that this year will be no exception. We'll, we'll invite all the winners to come to Orlando, Florida in September. Uh, in addition to that, and besides telling their stories, which we, we share on our website and in our magazine of all the winners, or many of the people from the America's Safest Companies at, at, end up becoming speakers at the Safety Leadership Conference. We already know that they've got a great story because they've shared it with us and they've, they've been honored for it. Uh, so we do invite many of those companies to come back uh, in, in following years to share a little bit about what 
you know, maybe what turned it around at your company? What what tragedy or or, or what uh, management impulse or what situation led to your deciding, hey, we got to get better at safety. And then a few years later, you de- you determine we are so good at this now that maybe we're we should enter the America's Safest Companies competition. Uh, it, it happens a lot of different ways. Every company's got it, their own unique story, and they all kind of come to the competition uh, from different perspectives. But that one element uh, remains a constant for all of them that they do have a measurable and consistent safety culture. Yeah, I um, I always appreciate seeing repeat, um, you know, past winners reapply. Um, because and, and how long do they have to wait in between? They have to wait five years, but I think that's a really good indicator. Well, it, it's not a good indicator, right? They're not automatically going to win, but I personally like seeing that because it means that they are not resting on their laurels, that they have reached a point where they have a strong safety culture and then they continue to get stronger. And whenever I go to conferences, it's so interesting to hear um, about companies that we would quote call doing safety right um, because they don't stop, right? We've, you know, as I mentioned earlier, safety is a journey. It's a continuous improvement and you have to, you have to sustain um, all the programs that you're doing. But we also talk about this a lot as far as like buy-in goes, is that once you reach a certain point, you have the freedom and the flexibility and hopefully the budget to do even more cool things, right? Like once you've got the basics, then you can really focus on what's next and do pilots and uh, new just looking for new things, right? If you're, if you're involving more people, um, I I don't know, like I said, I'm not a safety practitioner, but I always get excited hearing about stories and, and things that I've never heard of before, especially for people who have been in the business for 20 plus years. You know, it's not jaded, but you're, you've been around the block for a while and you know, what's what. So if there's something that can make you go, oh, wow, that's interesting. Well, then I feel like that company has done its job and we've done our job by cho- by awarding them um, one of America's safest companies because there's always something to learn, always something more that we can be doing and giving people inspiration to, uh, to try to find ways to do that. Uh, regardless of where they are in their safety journey. Very well put. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, Hopefully we've answered most of the questions that you might have. If you have any other questions, absolutely get in touch with with me or Nicole. You can find all the information about the competition, how to contact us, all the past articles of previous America's Safest Companies at our website. That's ehstoday.com. And there you have it. Our quick tutorial on how to enter the America's Safest Companies competition. So if you're ready to dive in, you can go to safetyleadershipconference.com, click on the tab for America's Safest Companies, and there you'll find directions on how to enter the competition. And you'll also see what we've got planned for our annual Safety Leadership Conference, September 18th through 20th in Orlando, Florida. So for Nicole Stimpak, and on behalf of Talking EHS, I'm Dave Blanchard. See you next time.